have a lot to be excited about at, Al- at Alberta Baptist. And as we close out one series, and it's been a long series, but as we close out this wonderful time in the book of Genesis, we also look forward to uh, where we're going next. And so I wanna, I wanna tell you a little, about, a little bit about what we're gonna do. Uh, there are over 50 one another commands in the New Testament. Over 50 times there's a command that involves one another, love one another, bear one another's burdens, uh, welcome one another. These one another statements, commands, they cannot be fulfilled, they cannot be obeyed if we're not connected in the church. They can't be obeyed uh, alone. And what we wanna do is we're gonna take the summer and we're gonna focus on these one another commands that Christ has given us. And we believe in doing that and, and, and looking at how the gospel shapes the way that we live in community. We believe that the Lord's gonna do a great work here. In fact, I believe that he is going to help us to have a greater desire for him, a greater love for one another. And we will understand much more what it means to go out and live in lives on, on mission. And so that's what we're gonna look at this summer. Moving into August, when we are going to have our, uh, our, now it'll be the second annual ABC Connect. And so for the month of August, we will revisit as we need to every week, but we will revisit specifically our vision to, for, we want you to know God, find community and live on mission. And so in August, we'll, we'll look and see how are we doing? You know, what, what do we need to do? Where do we need to move? How do we need to change uh, to, to be uh, more walking with the Lord in this vision? And then guys, in the fall, we are starting the book of Romans. And so 10 years from now, we'll finish <laughs> and we'll be changed. Um, yeah, so it's gonna be amazing. And we're excited. We have great hope. Uh, Keith and I, we, we have so much expectation about what the Lord has in store for Alberta Baptist. And I hope you do too. I hope you do too. So what I want us to do is pray and then let's, uh, let's jump into our journey through Genesis, what we've learned. Father, we ask that you would do a great work today. Help focus our hearts on, on what we have heard. Help us to think through what all you've been teaching us over uh, this more than a year and a month. Help us to, to, to grasp it and to leave here even uh, more transformed than we were as we walked in today. God, I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Our journey through Genesis. What, what have we learned? First thing we've learned is this, and look at me at your outline, is we have been given by God, I believe, a clear picture of who he is and what he is like. The book of Genesis has given us a clear picture of who God is and what God is like. I I believe that we can sum this up in two phrases. And I thought because it's beautiful chaos Sunday, I thought it was a wonderful time to bust this outline out, okay? And, And here's what it is. I believe that what the book of Genesis has taught us, you guys too, I just realized you're behind me still, uh, is is that God is great and God is good. Okay, God is great and God is good. The the Lord, he is the all-powerful creator of all things. We saw in Genesis 1 and 2, him just speaking creation into being. This is the God who is sovereign, 
over the earth. This is the God who shows his providential care and grace. He's able to create and care for his creation. He's able to work all things, even evil. He's able to work it and use it for good. This is a God who is greater than anything we know. He he is above all that we know, yet he's knowable. We cannot know him fully, but we can know this God truly. The God of the Bible is great, but the God of the Bible is good. He's good. He's personal. He's able to be known. If you'll remember way back when, if you can, just go ahead and flip with me there. Genesis 3, you you remember in the garden, the the Lord was described over and over and over again uh, in chapter 2 as the Lord God. That is uh, Yahweh Elohim. That is the the Lord God. This is the all-powerful and personal God of the universe. The God who is both great and the God who is good. And in the garden, the serpent came and he began to deceive. And when he deceived, the way that he did it was he removed from Eve's mind. He began to distort her reality for her to believe that God was great, but that God was not Good. He goes to her in chapter three and and you see there verse three. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. The God who's great and good. And he said to the woman, did the all powerful God of the universe, the one who made everything and reigned sovereign over it. Did he actually say? And she begins to question. The serpent, listen. He's a deceiver. Eve was deceived. Adam was deceived. We, my friends, have been deceived. But here's the reality that Genesis teaches us. That God is both great and God is good. Now, one thing that we believe is that every person has a theology. Like everybody has theology. Theology is the study of God. Every, everybody has theology. It's, it can be really bad. It can be really good. It can be kind of off. It can be barely missing it. Uh, yeah, it, everybody has theology. Who is God? You could say a stick. Okay, that could be your theology. Everybody's got it. What is love? Love's a, a plant. Okay, well, That's not true, but that could be your theology. Everybody has a theology. We want to be guided in what we believe about God through his word. One thing we're going to do, and just coming right off of Genesis, is on on Wednesday night, starting on June the 12th for the summer, we're going to have two different things going on. We're going to have a Bible study that will take place uh, in this room a Bible study and prayer time. And then we're also gonna have at the same time from six to seven, we're gonna have a Bible doctrine class, okay? Uh, A theology one-on-one, if you will, where we look at who is God? 
what, what has Christ done? Uh, who are we as his people? That, those kind of things we're going to study. This is a great time for you who have been a believer for years and years and years to come and learn and grow deeper in what you believe about the Lord. It's also a great time if you're a seeker, if you're trying to kind of feel your way through the Christian faith, this is a good class for you to come to and understand what the Bible teaches. Really, no matter who you are, what age you are, uh, where you are in life, this would be good for you. And so that's going to be taught by uh, myself and Keith. Keith and I are going to alternate kind of uh, between two studies. And then Kyle Bryant, wherever he is, Kyle in the back, uh, Kyle will be teaching that as well. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. We, we care about what you believe about God. And the book of Genesis has only aided, it's only helped, it's only encouraged us to have a strong, deep view of who God is. And what Genesis has taught us is given us a clear picture of who God is and what he is like. The book of Genesis has also, number two, given us a sobering, and I would put in parentheses after that, and sweet reminder of who we are and what we are like. Uh, sometimes we, we, we just need a good reminder. Uh, we, we need to be uh, sobered up to, to what we're really like. The, the other night I was tucking in my girls and I, I think it was uh, Annie Ruth, but I, I was putting Annie Ruth in the bed and I was rubbing her back and, and she said, dad, will you sing to me? And, and so I said, yeah, what do you mean sing? And so she told me a song. And so I started singing to her, rubbing her back. And, and she, she rolls over and she looks at me and she goes, dad, can you sing in your real voice? And I was like, oh, shoot. When am I going to tell her that I'm 5'8 and can't sing? I, I don't know. She doesn't realize, you know, when am I going to break it to her? Uh, you know, the, the sobering reminder. Thank you, Annie. I know I can't sing, girl. Okay, and, and if you're sitting near me over here and you lean your head up, to listen to how I actually sing, that's sin. So don't, don't, don't do that. So Kara, if, if you try to test this out, that don't, don't be mean to me. I, but I cannot sing well at all. Sobering reminder. In, in a much more ultimate way, the book of Genesis gives us a sobering reminder of who we are as a human being, as a person, as a man, as a woman. Uh, and, and it's one that is difficult to take in. And so I... I I want you to just kind of scratch the outline part that you have under that. I'm, I'm going to give you a, a new one today. I love doing that. It's the most fun thing, just to X out your outline. Uh, I want you to see that we, we have learned and we've been reminded of who we are in this way. One, we have seen we are more sinful than we would ever like to imagine. We're more sinful than we would ever desire to imagine that we are. I'll walk you through a, a, few, a few areas of scripture. I'll say it this way too. We're more sinful, we're more flawed, we're more dysfunctional, we're more destructive. We're more, I love this word, we're ridiculous. Okay, like we really are. We're ridiculous. We're more wicked, we're more foolish, we're more needy, we're more dependent. We're worse than we would ever imagine that we are. Welcome to ABC, Yeah. And we're reminded of this repeatedly in Genesis as we've looked at the life of Adam and Eve. They didn't quite nail it. We still have the effects of them today in us as we were born. Cain and Abel, Noah and his fam. Don't forget about the flood. 
Uh, what about the great architects and engineers that were at Babel? We learned a little bit about them and flawed humanity. Abraham and Sarah. Better invite Hagar into the conversation. Uh, what about Lot and Sodom? What about Isaac and Rebecca and their wonderful parenting philosophies? Jacob, Esau, the sister wives, the other wives, all the kids. And that time that a couple of the brothers slaughtered an entire city. Good moment. Good moment for God's people. No, it wasn't. Okay. Uh, favoritism and the glorious coat or the robe of many colors. The list could go on and on. And the point is, is that we have been reminded constantly throughout Genesis of our brokenness and our need for God's grace, his mercy, and his love to be extended to us. Have we not? I mean, have we not seen it? Like it's, it's one thing to look at the story and here's what I, I'm sure you have done. I, I certainly did in studying and what made this really difficult for me is I made it a pattern for a while of I would be studying, I would be pointing at them. I'd be pointing at them. Look at Abraham. I thought he was this great example of faith. Look at Jacob. Look at Isaac. Look at, you know, and I kept pointing and pointing and pointing at this like picture of them and the way that God really rescues us and transforms us and, and helps us to become more of who we are becoming in him is that we begin to see less of a picture and we see more of a what? A mirror, more of a mirror. And we have a sobering reminder of who we are, of who we are. I, I wanna read some scripture for you. I, I want you to just hear this for a moment. Ephesians chapter two, one through three. You don't, you don't have to flip there. Just listen. The word of God says that you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which, in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children, not of God, but children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now I am a glass half full, uh, perky, fun loving guy. But I cannot read Ephesians 2 and just brush it off my shoulder. I can't say, well, that's not really what it means. He doesn't really mean wrath like real wrath. No, he does. And Genesis really helps us because we would say, no, God's not like that. He's, he, he, no, 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 no. No, remember the flood. Remember the flood. God, God is exactly, exactly how Ephesians 2 pictures him to be. We are exactly who Ephesians 2 pictures us to be. We were born into this world with the sin of Adam and Eve. And listen, we're born into this world, children of wrath, following Satan, living in the flesh. Romans chapter 5. 
just give you a, a few phrases here. Romans chapter 5, 6 through 11 gives us three really important phrases. We're told that while we were still weak, when you were helpless, when you couldn't help yourself, helpless. Uh, verse 8, uh, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Verse 10, for if while we were enemies, enemies, helpless sinners and enemies, that's who scripture tells us that we are in the flesh. Romans 3.23, for there is no distinction for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I want you to have a sobering reminder. I believe that Genesis has led us to this point, but given us a sobering reminder of who we are and what we are like. I also believe that Genesis gives us a very sweet reminder of who we are and what we're like. See, we are more sinful than we would ever like to imagine, but write this down and do not miss it. We are also more loved and cared for than we could ever dare to hope. We are more loved and cared for than we could ever dare to hope. The the cross gives us the perfect picture of this, is that we're, we're so bad that Christ died on the cross, but yet we're so loved that Christ died on the cross. You see? In the same place, the, the love and the justice of God meet in perfection. That God loves us so much that, that Christ gave his life for us. But yet our sin was so costly that Christ had to die in our place. We are more loved and cared for than we could ever dare to Hope, those same scriptures that we read just a minute ago, chapter two of Ephesians, we left it there by, we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But verse four says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. It is by grace that you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Verse eight, for by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What about that Romans 5 passage? It says, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God chose his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? For if while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son much more. Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom we have now received reconciliation. And of course, Romans 3, 23, don't just memorize verse 23. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ 
Jesus. Man, we're, we're worse than we ever dared to imagine, than we ever thought we could be, but we're so much more loved than we thought was possible. I really believe Genesis has helped us to, to see life this way. I mean, there were days when I, I, would be, I would be studying, I would think, man, how could you do that, man? Like, Abraham, really? Jacob, really? Two wives, four wives, oh, what are you doing? I mean, like, I would, I would just be, and then the Lord would just rest on me and speak to me, and he would say, but I loved Abraham. I love him still. I love Jacob. I love him still. I love you, Colby. I love you still. God is good. God is great. Lastly, what has Genesis done for us? What has Genesis taught us? What has Genesis given us? I I believe a deeper understanding of and a a greater desire for the gospel of Jesus. Man, how, how many times, how many times was our outline like, you know, Abraham, the kids, the gospel. Uh, Jacob, his messed up family, the gospel. You know, like how many times did you see this? Our, our desire, the entire message series for this whole time has been to labor for you that you would understand that the stories do not just sit alone. They, they're not there for themselves. They, they weren't given to us and then they're done. They, they all had purpose and, and meaning and they all pointed so beautifully to Christ Jesus. We believe as the Jesus Storybook Bible says so wonderfully that every story whispers his name. Every story whispers his name. Jesus Christ. Lots of little H dysfunctional heroes in the book of Genesis, but there is but one, capital H, always and forever good Savior and Lord Jesus that they point to. I, I want to give you this, uh, this point. I, I, I don't think I changed it. No, I didn't. What I want to do is give you like a 30,000 foot view real quick. So this is like, we're way up. It's not going to be real personal to you. The big story kind of point, And it's this, look with me under number three, that in Christ, Genesis has taught me to find the yes to every redemptive promise and to see the substance to every redemptive shadow. That's what we see in Christ. Every promise we know finds its yes, its fulfillment in Christ Jesus. All of the, all of the shadows that we see, they find their substance in Christ. Uh, several examples. Christ is the promised savior that would crush the serpent's head from Genesis three. Christ, the better ark that saves us from the flood of God's wrath, uh, chapter six. Christ, the one who would bless the world through Abraham's seed, Genesis 12, and repeated over and over and over and over and repromised and repromised and repromised over and over again. Uh, Galatians three tells us that the fulfillment of that promise actually is the declaration of the gospel message. Jesus is the blessing to the whole world. Christ, the one who would be the better ram caught in the thicket of Genesis chapter 22, who would die in the place, in our place once and for all, for all who believe. Christ, the the stairway to heaven from Jacob's dream. Christ, the better Joseph, 
who would be like Joseph in that he left his home and he left his father whose brothers would hate him and want him dead. He would also be sold for pieces of silver, but he in an ultimate way would be punished for something he did not do. But all of this points us to God's gospel and encourages us in God's sovereign and good purposes for our lives. Once again, we have a deeper understanding and a greater desire for the gospel of Jesus. Uh, The book of Genesis can help all of us see uh, that there's a story that's bigger than just our own. In fact, we might say that our story fits into a grand narrative, a bigger story that's outside of just us. And we have a purpose to live for. In fact, a person to live for that's bigger than us. Genesis helps us to be reminded of that. So not only do I need to give you the 30,000 foot view from Genesis, but also Genesis has caused us to consider our own personal faith. Uh, Instead of the gospel in the sky from earlier, let's think about the gospel on the ground. Let's make it personal here. Uh, Every story has had individuals that they, they placed or they didn't place their trust in God in his promises. I I want you to see that we're in Genesis reminded of the essence of faith, what faith is and what it's like. And and here's the the biggest uh, connecting point to that. As Abraham was counted righteous by faith in God's promised word, I am counted righteous by faith in Christ Jesus, the fulfillment of saving promise. So we look at Abraham who was counted righteous and and his faith and his example of faith. In fact, if you want to understand it more and see what the Bible would teach us about their faith, go to Hebrews 11. And Hebrews 11 begins and tells us by faith, uh, Abraham did this. By faith, Isaac did this. By faith, Jacob did. And it just walks us through what they placed their faith in. How did they have real faith in God? Well, Hebrews 11 tells us. But it's pointing us back to what we have studied and read from Genesis. I'll remind you of one person. What did Abraham believe? Uh, Romans chapter four gives us an idea of this. And so if you're kind of new to Genesis, hear, hear what God's word says about him. Verse 16 of chapter four. This is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all of his, Abraham's offspring not only to the inherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Verse 17 says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. So your offspring shall be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which the Bible says was as good as dead. That's awesome. I like that phrase. Okay, it's as good as dead. Since he was about 100 years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. 
that's what the Bible teaches. That's how we know. Like he had saving faith in God's promised word to him. All of us in the room, we have by God's grace, through God's word, we have been given the promise of eternal life, of salvation through Christ Jesus alone. And for us to receive his righteousness, we must place our faith in Christ Jesus. We must place our faith in Christ Jesus. Uh, This is a faith that restores, and to link it back to Genesis again, that restores and makes right what was broken in us in the fall. Uh, in the garden, when, when sin broke in, all of a sudden, everything broke and what was right was no longer right. It was broken. And there was a broken relationship with uh, Adam and God. There was a broken relationship with Adam and himself. There was a broken relationship with Adam and Eve. And there was a broken relationship to Adam and the rest of creation. See, Adam didn't view God the same. He hid from God. He didn't view himself the same. He tried to cover himself up. He didn't view Eve the same. He blamed her. He didn't view the creative world the same. It was a pain to him. It would be for the rest of humanity until Christ comes back. Even the created world can be something that we as people, as creation, worship. We can worship the creation rather than the creator. We have a distorted view, a broken view of all of those areas. The gospel makes right what was broken in the fall. The book of Genesis has helped us to see this. Jennifer and uh, our worship team, if you guys will come up and, and lead us. What, what we're gonna do today is, uh, is this, as I close. Today we had... Uh, we, we've got all of our, our, our worship song, our worship time, our worship through song placed at the end. And, and I, I want us to reflect. I want us to uh, praise the Lord. I, I want us to think about the, the lyrics that we are singing to the Lord in terms of the message that we've heard. I, I want us to celebrate Jesus. But here's the way that I want to push us to respond. I mean, because you, you've, heard, you've heard God's word today. You, you've You've been pushed uh, to consider who God is, to consider who you are, uh, to, to really consider more the gospel message and true faith in Christ Jesus. But, but what I wanna ask is what is your faith? What is your personal faith causing to happen, to take place in your life? How is your faith pushing you to action? Because what really encouraged my heart this morning, I was reading Hebrews 11 about all the dysfunction of Genesis, all of the mess that was the lives of God's people. And Hebrews 11 is this awesome story, this awesome testimony about what real people did when they had real faith in the Lord and his promised word. That by faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Isaac did this. By faith, and it's over and over and over and over again. And here's what I wonder this morning is if in Alberta Baptist Church and what the people that make up this church body, the people that are here today, I wonder what the testimony is to the world about your personal faith. 
Are you stuck in just kind of this grand narrative that's, that's above you and you don't see how you fit in? Are you, are you missing uh, the, the glorious life that God has for you and the purposes that he's calling you to today? Is it because you haven't personally even placed your faith in God's word, in the gospel message? I, I believe that's the case for some of you. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down, right now, I want you to get a pen. There should be one on your eye. I want you to write down in your outline, right underneath it. I want you to say this, by faith, draw a blank. Your name's gonna go there. By faith, blank, believe the gospel and draw another blank. And did what with it? What did you do with what you believed? What are you doing today with what you believe? What is the gospel message? How is it impacting your heart and your life? How is the faith that you have in the promised and risen son of Jesus causing you to have impact and light and love on the world today? How are you being a blessing to those outside of your own life? That's what we want to think. Ask the Lord, man, write that testimony down. If you, if you have a hard time filling in those blanks, listen, come up and just ask the Lord. Come up and connect with me. Uh, go to the Lord as we sing. We're singing three songs. You, you got time, man. Go to the Lord in prayer. Consider the faith that you have. Listen, if it's the real deal, it will push you to action. The book of Genesis shows us there's a bunch of dysfunctional people in that book. And I believe if we're honest, we would admit we're a bunch of dysfunctional people in this room who God has the power and the glory and the grace and the compassion and the kindness and the patience to empower, to live a life for his glory. Pray pray with me as we begin our time of worship. And as you do, go ahead and stand. Father, I ask that you would do a great work.